You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 172, Deep Purple Celebrating John Lord. And coming to you from the COVID-tastic suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Scruffaloves Matola. <laughs> Scruffaloves? Mm-hmm. That sounds familiar. What is that? Well, you might know, maybe from, uh, I don't know, from your daughter. I bought this bought this little <laughs> gift for my nieces. The Scruffaloves. I don't know, but my, my daughter, if she saw that, she would flip out like that would so be. So this is a little, this is a little um, <laughs> mom and mom and baby rescue. So it's like, it comes in a little ball like this and you, you wash it and it reveals uh, what kind of little animal it is. It could be a little puppy, a cat. There's a one in four chance of twins. And then you wow. groom it. It comes with a little brush. So it's like a little, a little surprise huh. that you that you open up and the um, oh my god, the girls saw this on um, on uh, YouTube Kids, which mm. I thought was genius because my sister in law blocked regular YouTube because they don't you know she doesn't want them looking up anything crazy or accidentally seeing anything crazy. But the the flip side is is that everything on YouTube Kids is like unboxing videos, so it's basically trying to sell you toys all day. So yeah, everything they watch, you're like, we want it, we want it. <laughs> yeah, they got these little kids with like. 12 million subscribers that just like open gifts and like they of course the toy companies just send them these gifts yeah, like exactly hoping, praying they'll open them on the channel you couldn't ask for better they probably pay, you know they they, they spend 25 50 sending them something and they probably get thousands and thousands of sales as a result yeah, better than any ad could do oh yeah absolutely i mean um i i mean hey it got me to spend 20 bucks on this so yeah, there you go but you know it's going to be um you know it's kind of a fun quick little Activity. It's an activity too. It's not just giving them a stuffed animal. It's like, ooh, let's see what it is. So, I think it'll be cute. We can give it to them tomorrow. Oh yeah, they'll they'll love it. They'll love it. So, I mentioned briefly on yesterday's show that I am well yesterday last week for you. But if you're listening on the audio feed, uh, it's it's only been about what twelve hours <laughs> since we recorded. Yeah. But um, yes, I I was struck down with COVID, um, and you know had a headache for a few hours, and then now I'm just mostly very tired so i i sit up in a chair for a half an hour and then i'm like oh man i gotta go lie down and then i lie down for a little bit and then i sit in a chair again that's kind of been how the last that's how yesterday went anyway um probably yeah. one of the long the the effects of covid is like uh <laughs> get a preview of how it's going to feel to be elderly <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be that seems to be it but luckily uh um i've had it very very easy um, with just a little bit of uh, fatigue at this point and the occasional mm. occasional cough, like extremely occasional, like three times a day. So uh, a wrath cough, I can have the wrath cough, <laughs> a wrath cough. Um, yes. So we, we had a brief uh, pun session among Deep Purple song names in the chat um, uh, having to do with COVID, COVID being a hard road. Um, John asked me how COVID was treating me this time around. 
and I didn't even pick up on it, and I started answering him. So, you know, uh, <laughs> not on top of my game. But, um, yeah, so, uh, hey, listen, if you want to support the show, support the Deep Purple Podcast, you can do so a number of ways. One is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Two is by buying some match, match merch on our Etsy store. Uh, three, you can also support us for as little as $1 a month via PayPal or Patreon. Uh, links, of course, in the show notes. Look us up on Patreon, and you can become a patron of the show and join some of the fine folks we have in the chat right now who are watching us record this live uh, before it comes out in a couple weeks. Um, you also, as a, as a patron, get access to our rating spreadsheet. Just shoot us an email, and then you can also get access to our patrons-only Discord, uh, where we have lots of um, ongoing tomfoolery where you can chat about um, Deep Purple, what what deep tracks are being played right now on XM Radio, the the various um, firewood laws in New England, all these <laughs> topics and more <laughs> can be available to you. Um, so, um, so yeah, so so please uh, please consider it if you're getting some value out of the show give us some value back we would love to see you around the discord and other various places um so speaking of our patrons uh we have at the executive level uh, patrons we have the 25 dollars uncommon man tier with ovis nakvi at the 15 dollars what's going on here tier we have richard fusey at the 10 pound tier dr jill brees at the Turn It Up to $11 tier, Clay Wambacher, Frank Teelgard, Mortensen, Allen, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, and Mikkel Steen. And at the $10 Someone Came tier, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans, and Kev Roberts and his wonderful children, Matthew, Gareth, and Sarah. Thank you so, so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. Um, we will, hopefully, we were talking about this a little bit after the show, be seeing White Snake live in Illinois September 1st. John is flying out. We're going to have a, uh, a, a, reca- a, a, a reunion of our last year's sh- uh, show just around the same time where we went to go see the Dead Daisies. Um, so if you are in the Illinois area and are be attending the show, uh, let us know. We can hopefully meet up uh, before the show or something. Although wh- where it's being played, I don't think there's like a... Well, I could, I'm sure we could just grab a beer at the show or something. But it's not like... I don't think it's in an area where we could just like you know, meet at a bar and then walk over to the show. I think it's like mm. suburban American gigantic par- parking lot at an arena sort of thing. So, oh boy, um, all state arena. I think actually, I think that's where we just saw the, uh, we, I think I just went there, um, I don't know, a month or two ago. Oh no, back in April, went to go see a hockey game there. So, um, so yeah, it's a really, it's a nice place. Um, so yeah, come, come join us. Uh, we would love to, would love to see you. Um, all right, and then you can also check out deepdivepodcastnetwork.com for all like-minded shows, Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Skinner Reconsidered, our show, T-Bones Prime Cuts, In the Lap of the Pods, The Magician's Podcast, Hawk Binge, Made in A to Z, Diary of the Mad Men, Universally Speaking, The Red Hot Chili Peppers Podcast, Metal Gods Podcast, The Podcast Will Rock, Backtracks, Aerosmith Revisited, So Far, So Pod, So What, and The Tom Petty Project. Check it out. Um, all right, so, John, where did we leave off... On our last show with this with this con this is part three. So if you haven't listened to the other two, you might want to check them out. Part part one was uh, celebrating John Lord, the composers, composed works. Part two, John Lord, the rock legends, cons- uh, consisting of his early rock stuff, his post Deep Purple stuff, and some of his Mark uh, three and four Deep Purple stuff. Mm-hmm. And the only thing remaining now is uh, to see him uh, to see him. 
do uh, to see Deep Purple celebrating John Lord. So what 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 are your highlights from the previous two uh, segments of the show, John? Well, I I remember um, when we were talking about. Uh, I mean, we obviously watched the Glenn Hughes performance before, and I I you know if I go back, I probably remember being like, "Oof, this is too much." Because you had mentioned that, and I was like, "Yeah, I remember us thinking his performance of this time around was like pretty wild." But actually, I enjoyed it last night. I mean, maybe it's because I'm, you know, uh, maybe because we're watching it like in context or something. But I didn't think like that it, you know, like I feel like last time I was like, oh, this isn't a great version of it because he's doing too many crazy vocal things. But I enjoyed it last night. Um, and uh, of course, I mean, Bruce Dickinson coming out like Nelson from uh, The Simpsons is like uh, a freaking highlight. Um, I, I, I thought that was really cool because until we started the podcast, I didn't really realize how closely linked those two bands were. Although if I was more into Iron Maiden, I'm sure that you know, I would have known uh, just through reading interviews or whatever, I'm sure. Um, and uh, it was it was cool to hear them just do like uh, just a, a deep tracks type of retrospective of them. You know, it, I feel like a lot of like uh, big bands uh, these days from like, uh, uh, you know, whether they're still releasing albums or legacy acts or whatever, they're always like, oh, we only have to do the popular songs that, you know, to, to drive business in and stuff like that. And it's just nice to see a band of their stature, like just basically just do all deep cuts and not have to bow to like the casual fans because I don't really know how many casual fans are coming out to see Deep yeah. Purple, you know, which well, I mean is good for us because I mean, you know, we get, we get stuff like, uh, you know, Glenn Hughes doing the, you know, the, the Deep Purple tour, like David Coverdale doing like the white, the, uh, the, the purple album with White Snake. you know, mm -hmm. it's just like at this point, these guys can afford to do that. And like, that's, that's awesome, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I think there are like, just from the, <clears throat> the two shows we just saw a few months ago. I mean, they're fans, but I, I wouldn't call them casual fans, but I think there may be I don't know, shallow fan. I don't know. It sounds disparaging. I don't want to disparage them, but I, 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 I think I feel like they're, you know, because I just remember being there and being like, they start to play lazy, and guy behind me, like, to 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 use a term that you used, having a conniption fit. <laughs> As he lost seems, his mind. That he lost his mind when they were playing lazy, and You're it's like, just lazy. like, and I'm looking around, and I'm just like, I mean. The f I, I would say there was probably a 98% chance they were going to play Lazy tonight. Like, why are you so shocked? And then the same guy, they they start playing um, uh, nothing at all, and he well, goes to the bathroom, you know? Like So, so like, he, while they're huge fans of, like, the Mark II stuff and the, maybe the more popular stuff, I, yeah. like, are they... Are they, I'm not, and I'm, I'm not saying they're not a fan. That's not for me to say. They're clearly a fan. They're there. They're excited. They're super, they were more excited about lazy than I was. Um, so they're, they're fans. Um, but I guess that's, you know, I'm not a fan in the fanatic sense. I don't like lose my, the only thing that would make me lose my shit at a show like that is if they did something, like if Ian Gillen was like, all right, this song's off, come taste the band. And like, they played coming home or something. I'd be like, what? <laughs> like it would just, it would just, just from sheer shock of, of how, uh, uh, unexpected it was but yeah. there's nothing they could really do that would like like just like, like absolutely shock me so i guess there's people that are going that are big fans that are not you know that maybe don't know the steve morse era as well or or whatever 
Um, so yeah, it's, and I, you know, I, I guess it's, uh, with, you know, and of course at the John Lord concert, like this is like a big charity event. This is all, these are all mega fans. So they could have, they could have pulled out any song possible and people would have been happy with it. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure like, um, you know, it's, it's not like they were just touring around with it and they're like, yeah, let's, but I mean, um, uh, that they could, uh, play the Royal Albert Hall and have that kind of turnout and uh with musicians and fans uh i think is and you know not even like recently it was like within the past like what 10 years or whatever and it was still it was eight years ago yeah still uh you know what a crowd um and um yeah as far as the composer part of it i mean i don't know that stuff as well uh but i mean it was still good but i mean i don't um um you know i kind of my uh, I'm not as familiar with those, you know, compositions, but I mean, it, it's John Lord, so it's all good. Yep, absolutely. Um, Stephen Somerville's in the chat and he was trying to go listen. He's listening to this and trying to walk to the Royal Albert Hall to listen outside while we did it. But it is 40 degrees um, right now, like 100 degrees Fahrenheit in the UK. So I think <laughs> he's in the... In the uh, in the interest of not getting heat stroke, um, I don't think he's going to make it. So, which is good. Take care of yourself. Get some, find some place air conditioned, um, uh, and stay cool. Because even in the shade, that's it's hot in the shade, as they say. Um, okay, so yeah, so we we we're, we're left off where you know where we left off last night. Um, very, uh, you know, same kind of lineup uh, of. Uh, musicians are kind of bebopping around and we'll see them, I think, at the end of some of them. And uh, right now, um, uh, where we left off was Bruce Dickinson was starting to do his little introduction of Deep Purple. Um, so we'll, we'll pick up uh, with that. But before we do, uh, so that we don't forget, I'd like to thank our core level patrons coming in at the $7.77 Keep It Warm Rat tier. We have Michael Vader at the episode $6.66 tier. We have Steve Coldwell, Arthur Smith, and Anton Glaving at the $6.65 almost evil tier, Kenny Wymore. Um, we've got at the $5.99, the nice price tier, Fielding Fowler, Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, Michael Bagford, and Carl Helberg. And at the $5 moneylender tier, we have John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Alman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Will Porter, Zwapper the Electric Alchemist, Tim Southern Cross Johnson, and A1 Percival Frequency. Thank you so much, all of you, for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. Um, and with that, we will start up where we left off with a Mr. Uh, Bruce Dickinson giving uh, the band an introduction uh, with the final act in this three-part concert of Deep Purple celebrating John Lord. So... <clears throat> Next band, uh, he knows who it is. I've got no idea, of course. I haven't been here all day. <laughs> but I can tell you that when I was 15 years old and I heard this band um, through somebody's bedroom wall and I knocked on the door and I said, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and then I sort of went down into the bike sheds. They went, ah! I went, Blimey, I can scream just like him. (laughs) 
Except I couldn't, not quite. <laughs> and then I decided that I wanted to be a drummer. Mainly because of the bloke who was the drummer. And then I discovered that I couldn't be a drummer either. Not really, not as good as him. And the one phrase that confused me as a young adolescent 15 year old was a quote from John Lord, who in, in later life I got to know and got drunk with a few times and was a splendid chap. But I was a little bit unsure when I read, I think the sound of Deep Purple has a hell of a lot to do with my organ. Organ jokes abound. I've given it away, what a surprise. <laughs> Bob? Ladies and gentlemen, I have two final words to add to the evening, and they are Deep Purple. So you got Bruce Dickinson with the Parappa the Rappa hat on. Now you got... What a character. <laughs> now you've got uh, the band Deep Purple coming out which we've commented on before, Ian Gillen's ensemble for this som this uh, solemn occasion. They're starting off with two tracks from... From Now What? This would have been the most recent album out, and of course we've seen them play this one. They still play this one live at, I think, every show. Honor John Lord. It's a great song. I know it has a lot to do with him being left-handed and playing right-handed, but the way that he picks, I can never understand. It just looks like he doesn't have control over what he's doing, but clearly he does. Just like, he's like, he just rakes those strings so hard. And I know he had to adapt his playing with because of his wrist issues. But it's it's so precise and good, but Oh yeah. And so these um Paul Mann asked the band if he could orchestrate the first two songs um that they're playing at the show. So these are they both First two songs will be featuring his orchestrations. Mm -hmm. If you listen carefully, you can hear somebody yelling Dixie Dregs in, in the back of the audience. 
works really well because this does sound like we orchestrated. <laughs> there's, there's Ian Killen with this uh, tuxedo shirt. that Roger's playing the playing this one with his fingers often more of a pick player maybe he's at the Albert Hall and he's just reliving his uh, 69 concerto where he, I remember him playing with his fingers during that <laughs> That's something I regret not asking. I mean, it's such a minor, dumb question, but I always wanted to ask him if he adapted to using a pick because Richie, Richie, I know, wanted him, I think, to use the Rickenbacker because of the tone of it. And I wonder if Richie was like, hey, you should play with a pick because it's going to suit the style of music better if that's why he switched over. Playing the Hammond, but it almost sounds like a almost sounds like a synth with the settings he has it set up. Phrase looked seemed like a little tribute to to John Lord that last little segment he played on the on the organ. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's good to be king. Wasn't that guy next to you and Rich saying, "It's good to be king"? I love this song. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On the first night, yeah. It's <laughs> the first. <laughs> But hey, he knew the song. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Sensational. What good vibes you've been sending up here all night. Thank you. 
It's much appreciated. You know John Lordby looking down laughing at that shirt. <laughs> I think we know what it's all about. Uh, we've got, uh, in fact, it was uncanny walking in here. We played here a few times, but you never forget the first time. And they had us doing a photograph session over there somewhere for the uh, concerto album. We sat in the, in the stalls and uh, later on after the final dress rehearsal, we went for a, a bite to eat. Uh, everyone was a bit nervous, but so we had some pasta and a little place around the corner and some Chianti. And uh, there had been, you may have read at the time, a little bit of antipathy on both sides towards the project. And uh, so, uh, but here we were uh, about to do it. And uh, John said to me very quietly over a glass of wine, he said, Ian, he said, oh, I wonder how you you given any thought to the lyrics for the second movie? <laughs> I said, well, as you know, John, I was going to sort of improvise, um, but uh, I've thought better of it, and so I've scribbled a few notes down on this napkin, and, uh, which I put in my pocket. And as we came to the second movement, I moved across, and John looked at me with a sort of worried look in his face, and I pulled the napkin out of my pocket and put it on the rostrum, and he looked across and he went... <laughs> <laughs> And that was the way it went. <laughs> and now, this is especially for our beloved John. It's, uh, if you wouldn't mind, just keeping very quiet at the beginning, because there's a new intro. It's called Above and Beyond. Thank you. He said to be quiet. So this is above and beyond. I still do think though the story about, you know, he had been in the band for about two months. Yeah. And he was <laughs> playing at the Royal Albert Hall and was stalling on writing the lyrics until the day of. It's just like that takes some real cojones <laughs> as the new guy. Like, wouldn't you be like, but just shows Ian Gillen never really get given a crap what anybody thinks. He does his thing and it's worked well for him. And Stephen Somerville mentioning that back then these songs were so new. Like. Now they're although above and beyond, I don't know how often they get to playing that live, but you know, Uncommon Man, as I said, I think has been in almost every show, mm -hmm. if not every show.
again having uh, orchestrations by Paul Mann. saying and I come back tonight. Gillen almost looks younger now <laughs> I think it's because he was growing his hair back yeah maybe that little tiny piano I think is the Celesta that's being played but you saw the intro So apparently Ian Gillen did the eulogy at John Lord's funeral and uh, mm-hmm. used some of his words from the eulogy and as lyrics in the song. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if we've gotten to it yet. And I think it might be at the end. We'll have to listen. volume swells there.
Orchestra really faded out there. Don Airy looks so sneaky. <laughs> he looks like he's like, I'm not even supposed to be at the, they're supposed to have somebody else playing keyboards. I just snuck up here. That's different. Yeah, so he's doing a. It's a Stephen uh, Bentley Klein is the violin player. <laughs> he does all these amazing things, and the one thing that I could do, people are like, "Yeah!" <laughs> Still holding a chord, yeah, holding a note. <laughs> he showed me which draw bar I could do it. Because you could tell the violin player is a uh, is a ringer. He's not dressed in a tux. He, he's just got like a regular shirt on. So it's like, oh, that's that must be a. He's a ringer. He's, he's, a, he's a soloist coming in. This is not one of the orchestra guys. Somewhere that guy that was sitting behind me in Florida is like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, great song, but does it deserve that kind of, uh, I mean, it deserves that kind of excitement because it's a great song and everyone loves to hear it, but I, I just don't, I don't think it deserves a surprise that they would play it. I wonder how many shows since 1972 they have not played that at. <laughs> I mean, they were even playing it in Mark IV, for God's sake. Nice.
really cool having that like fiddle along with it. It's just such a gives yeah, a whole different tone to the really song. Well. Works great. I mean, I think it's great when you can incorporate an orchestra and other instruments like that into a song and not have it be so obvious like and here's an orchestra here's a violin yeah they're really they're really and, and that's what kind of the genius of Paul Mann is it's really made to support the songs not to you know like you've mentioned before like Metallica having like an orchestra play the you know the riff from Enter Sandman or something like note for note like every every instrument playing the same note you know this is like enhancing the songs not just doing like a poor imitation I would say the mix that was my only criticism would be the mixing on the DVD. I'd have to listen to the yeah again to the audio CD. I mean, for a live mix, it's great, but they would have made maybe <clears throat> made some tweaks after the fact and listen to some things are just a little louder than they need to be. But you're lazy, <laughs> a nice little run by Don. The uh, violin player is a composer and conductor. Oh. Worked with uh, Barry White, the Moody Blues, Rod Stewart, Burt Bacharach, hmm. Elvis Presley, Michael Bolton, David Cassidy, the Four Tops. So, you know, a real slouch. amazing to just see these people on stage it's like I oh, don't worry about me I've just worked with like some of those most major artists of all time I'm just gonna play the violin with Deep Purple <laughs> just imagine being at that level
think you forget too that the conductor is often <laughs> like a master of at least one instrument. You just imagine right. just seeing this guy get up and start wailing on the on the violin. Really a great song with the violin. Never would have uh, thought of that. Making it sound like Dixie Dregs with the violin and the, <laughs> and the guitar. It's awesome. Always adds a little something, BK. Here's a blues thing that we did a long time ago. Is that what we're doing now? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just as well. <laughs> when a blind man cries. BK has apparently been the music director for Ian Gillen. Uh, since 2016. Hmm. By that, uh, you know, um, contractual obligation album that he did with Don Airy's band. I bet he's involved in that. It says in the liner notes, Paul Mann says that Lord started adding the opening bars of um, Adagio for Strings by Samuel Barber into this song. So you'll hear some of John Lord's orchestrations here. Morris is like the master of that volume knob. We used to have to have that thing replaced after every show. <laughs> Wearing it out. He's keeping us in business. <laughs> big volume knob. Is... <laughs> <laughs> the big volume knob lobby. Got the guy that uh, owns like the volume knob factory is like, yeah, thanks, Steve Morse. You just bought me another yacht. <laughs> The SS Morse. <laughs> hey, his uh, pick guard matches Don Airy's shirt. It's interesting that we've mentioned this before that anytime Richie would, you know, <clears throat> skedaddle, they'd bust out this song like, to like, oh, Richie's gone. We can play, you know, when the cat's away <laughs> sort of thing. 
<laughs> Randy, Randy California comes in for one gig. They put the song in the set. He leaves. They immediately put it in the set. Uh, I love and then that. Steve Morris recently you know, took his, uh, you know, break for his band to be with his with his family. And Simon McBride came in and they started playing. It's like, well, you can play this with Steve Morris. It's not like they're just like used to. Oh, the guitarist is gone. We can play this again with with the replacement guy. <laughs> Oh, good to see that they like to change it up every so often. The, the song's like a fan, an underground fan favorite, you know? People love it. I know it's not your favorite, but... I mean, it's grown on me a little bit more in the recent years. Um, especially when played live. Interesting one to hear Coverdale sing. He's got that, yeah, that got kind of sort a of soldier of fortune type, a bluesy Coverdale sort of sound. Like him hearing him and hearing Mark III do this would have been interesting. Mm. That one would be like one song where I'd say, Glenn, you might want to sit this one out. <laughs> kind of like it's more <laughs> suited to Coverdale. That's interesting to think of. Um, uh, the other versions of the bands playing some of these songs, uh, you could easily hear some of them. Some, not so much. Here, Mark IV, during the solo. Burn you! <laughs> and there's a slide in this, it would work. True. Yeah, Stephen's saying that they hadn't really played this one <clears throat> too often since the 90s. Scott says this, this song was played in Platoon and the Elephant Man? Adagio for strings, he meant, not when a blind man cries. That makes more sense. <laughs> I was like, they played when a blind man cries in the elephant man? I've never seen it, so I don't know. And it's been a while since I saw Platoon, so. But yeah, makes much more sense. The orchestrations really add something to this song. I'm a sucker for anything that starts with like very slow building orchestrations and then hits kind of a climax here at the end. It's great. Lord, you know. 
Sam Gillen. That was a... Uh, That's still bringing it. Yeah. You could probably do it now. I mean, if anything, uh, one, what I've heard coming out of live shows, he's sounding even better now. Mm-hmm. Somebody mentioned that maybe like the two years off did him good, just kind of resting up. But man, he 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 sounded great when we saw him. All right, okay. <laughs> I didn't get a list. I got an. I knew what we were doing, but I didn't know. He said, "In which order?" <laughs> this is uh, from the eighties. Uh, it's called "Perfect Strangers." Okay. It's from the eighties. What more information do you need? This is uh, another one that's got orchestrations by John. He wrote these orchestrations in 2008 for his solo shows. They'd used like a shorter version in his solo shows, and this one kind of has the full orchestration. And I think this is the Paul Mann says in the line notes is the first time they ever played it in full. man says it's the kind of Hungarian Rhapsody List would have written if he'd been a Deep Purple fan hmm. why was List hating on Deep Purple unbelievable that guy List would have written if he didn't hate Deep Purple <laughs> if he didn't hate Deep Purple so much <laughs> <laughs> but he notoriously uh, could not stand the group He wrote about it in uh he wrote about it at some point in the eighteen fifties. that sounded like being in the Albert Hall just hearing a a lone clarinet play reminds me of that little there's that little um part in the concerto the way the the, the clarinet's like bleep, do, 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 do. you know it's like doing that little like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly which one you're talking kinda about. Kind of reminds me of that. And then the whole orchestra kind of kicks in. It's a jaunty little segment. A jaunty little... A jaunty little bit. 
it's funny you think of a, like a, a clarinet alone in the Albert Hall, but I've heard a clarinet alone in my house by my son, and they're quite loud. This one from the 80s. I recognize this one from the 80s. <laughs> Slyla. Don Airy just always looks like he's having the time of his life. Whether it's the... He always looks like he's up to no good. <laughs> it's like he looks sneaky and like happy and like... <laughs> like... I don't know what he's Very doing. Expressive. What he's doing that's so sneaky because it sounds great. <laughs> like a close-up of somebody's phone recording it. I wonder whose phone that was. They still have the video? Probably on YouTube. Unlike this episode. We regret to inform you we cannot put this episode on YouTube, but that's okay. You can watch multiple hmm. illegal uploads of this concert on YouTube with no problem. Absolutely. <laughs> he's like laughing. Hey! He's waving <laughs> Oh, he's so funny. This song was just written for something like this in mind. Oh, yeah. I don't think that was a mistake with no their background, Lord's background. It's got that perfect. And I don't know who came up with the da da dun da da dun da da dun I would guess Lord. I don't know if he has writing credits on the song, but I know he often would not even care about getting writing credits for little things like that. Not that that's a little mm -hmm. thing. It's such an important part of the song, but it has his kind of like hallmark simplicity yet awesomeness that he you, you hear in a lot of his solo stuff. Your 
love what Morris does there. This this song always struck me as like when they wrote when they got to when the band got back together after what at the time was seemed like an, a long amount of time. And when they were just recording this part, they might have just been just like, oh man, we are like, we got it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're like, awesome. He's just like, we freaking rule. Like, we, like, <laughs> we rule. <laughs> we're awesome. I mean, you can't. The song is just perfect, you know? like big deep purple fans are that don't know what that reference is probably not many but but i mean i mean it's you know what i mean like we sit there and we're like huh jesus christ superstar but i wonder how many people are like what is that even from i think there's a there's a fair number of people who just don't know the jesus christ superstar at all but i'm sure i mean i think that that's cool that he's always had that in there as like a nod to his performance in it plus and it fits in with the song like seamlessly and early on like from like nobody's perfect thank you thank you i mean i don't know when he started doing it but it would have to been very shortly after starting to play the song live mm -hmm. okay i'm trying to remember this one <laughs> <laughs> stay standing up i think for this one See if I can remember this one. Let's see if I can remember this one. Yeah, we didn't rehearse it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. We're just we're just winging it. Oh, we probably could have at this point. Yeah. Change with Roger. He 
points at Roger. <laughs> Free to be he. <laughs> He's like, hey. <laughs> uh, what a wacko. Imagine having like Ian Gillen be your goofball friend for 50 years. <laughs> Stuart pointing out in the chat that uh, he had read somewhere that Perfect Strangers, some parts of it had been written for Rainbow. I could see that. <laughs> Ian could. looks like he was ready to square off with somebody. <laughs> I'm a couple uh, of right hooks. I'll give you a butt good. I'll give you what for? It's half kooky uncle dance and half... Uh, Sparring, shadow boxing. <laughs> oh, I hear the hear the crowd. Yeah, it sounds like a soccer chant. This has ever been used as a soccer song. If it hadn't, it would be great. See it for sure. Whoa, Stephen Somerville might, in the might know. Arena, like uh, arenas in Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> Goal! <laughs> it is catchy. It's always one of my favorite songs. I think this might have been one of the first Deep Purple songs that I heard when I bought the compilation album, because it's either this one or um, Speed King was the first song on it. I can't remember. Oh, yeah? Which compilation was that? The, um, you know, the, the, what is it, the Deepest Purple, the one with the guitar on the front of it with the purple smoke coming out? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Deepest Purple? Yeah. One where I first heard Stormbringer, and I'm like, wow, Gillen sounds different on this one. <laughs> Very different. I always thought Gillen sounded different on Hush when I first got into them. <laughs> but, you know, it's not without precedent that, you know, like, I, I thought of, like, early Aerosmith would, you know. True, uh, yeah. Steve Tyler had that very different sound in his voice. Like, I just hadn't found his voice yet. Channeling it is in her Gene Simmons. Yeah, he's sticking his tongue out, waggling his head around.
<laughs> How many of those people in the audience that we know? Be funny if he went doo -doo -doo -doo, and looked over at Gillen and he's like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't happening, buddy. Not anymore. <laughs> what, a, what a great crowd. Look at them. Unbelievable. Thank you so much. Thank you. Do the, uh, do the fake, the fake uh, goodbye here. Oh, yeah, I guess we're going to pack it up here. No more songs left. That's all <laughs> the songs we have, guys. See you later. They have nothing left. The other night when yep. I saw Weird Al, he did the encore. He like he went over and he sat on the side of the stage and looked at his phone like you could still see him. He was just like looking at his phone and he kept looking around. He looked at his phone and then he came back out like pretending. <laughs> he was like, oh, I'm so surprised that you guys want me to play more. <laughs> it was great. Uh, he didn't even leave the stage. <laughs> People should start doing that more. <laughs> you just or just stand there with like your hand, your arms crossed, like while everyone cheers, and they'll be like, "All right, we're gonna do two more songs for you." Or just in the center of the stage, <laughs> just sit down pop style with the newspaper. <laughs> Somebody brings out yeah, a Barca lounger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you know the the fake goodbye is part of the part of the show. It is. Well, I mean, it's you know, in the in the Richie days, you really didn't. And, and that's kind of the point of it. You didn't know if you're going to get an encore or not. You know, an encore was, you know, now it's just like such a formality. It's like, OK, we're going to pretend to leave. Then we're going to come back and do another song. But with, when Richie was in the band, you really didn't know. <laughs> you didn't know if he was going to. I mean, the band might come back out, but Richie might not be there. He was known to do the odd encore. <laughs> I mean, he certainly did, but it was not a given with him. <laughs> you know, so you, you hear about. They feel they didn't deserve it. The band, yeah. I wish I could do my job. I wish I could do my job like that. Just like go go on break and then just be like, oh, I don't think you people deserve for me to come back and then just leave. So you guys, uh, you, I'm not feeling it tonight from you guys. From I'm my not feeling it, so I'm going home five hours early. Bye. <laughs> that's what. That's what. After your break is an encore. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I'm gonna start considering it from now on. Yeah, you go have your lunch and then you're like, you know what? No, they don't they don't deserve it. I'm not feeling it. Good night. <laughs> not getting the vibe. Yeah, give it a try. Let me know how it works out. Hmm. <laughs> All right, I Bruce Dickinson has retaken the stage with his the trooper backpatch. <laughs> this guy always he took off the beanie though. I did take off the parappa the rapper beanie. As Stephen points out, everyone's back on stage except for Glenn. Huh. Oh, geez. You hear the funk. Glenn missed a jam here. I know. Get the funk. Like the Stevie Wonder version. Yeah, you can hear Rick Wakeman. I don't know if he's on it. It sounds like a clavinet, but. Yeah. I wonder if the, I wonder if Glenn wouldn't come back or if they didn't want him on. It's hard to tell with all the politics. Oh, 
Bruce Dickinson singing Hush. They just briefly showed um, uh, Steve Balsamo on the side of the stage with uh, Sandy Tom. Although they look like they're playing percussion. I can't see Rick Wakeman, but you can certainly hear him. <laughs> Go, Ian. This has got to be hard. You have so many instrumentalists on stage, like, to make it. You got to hold this thing together. I mean, the funky clavinet's a little high in the mix, but it sounds good. I mean, two drummers, a whole orchestra, I mean, it's crazy. Bruce is holding up his his microphone to the uh, guy playing the maracas. <laughs> Don Airy giving him giving him a little point. <laughs> hey, this guy. Oh, Mickey Moody whale in there. Yep. Marsden Santana. <laughs> or Moody Santana. Mickey Santana. Carlos Moody. There we go. I'm mixing up the old white state guitar players. <laughs> I wonder why Bernie didn't come on stage for this. Or maybe he is on stage and they just haven't shown him yet. It's only yeah, it kind of looks like an all-star jam. Type At a certain of thing point, now. you have to start stop start leaving people out because there's just only so much room on the stage. <laughs> You've True. got two drummers, a full orchestra.
he's <laughs> Steve Morris is playing uh, a little roundabout. <laughs> I know Don Aries playing it. Rick Wakeman gonna play it or he's like no nah, I forgot how to play that I love the point you play and then you point to the next guy. <laughs> they just want him to play it so bad they keep playing it. <laughs> Don Aries like... There we go. They got it. <laughs> <laughs> so they were just trying for like two straight minutes like come on Rick play it play it Nice. You wonder if they like had that. I'm sure they didn't have it exactly mapped up, or they just pointed to Paul Mann when they were done. Like, okay, we're done. You can <laughs> you can cue the orchestra now. We yeah. finally got him to play Roundabout next. Yeah, it's a, it says on the sheet music, as many bars as necessary to get Rick Wakeman to play the uh, the outro from Roundabout. <laughs> Shake on it. Good show. Shake on it. <laughs> Shake on it. <laughs> wow. Voice. Trying to get everybody back on a stage now that the song is over. 
the stage just collapses. <laughs> just get everybody on. You know who you are. You know who you are. Oh, there's Glenn, I think. Thank you all for the wonderful spirit and emotion you brought for all the right reasons here tonight. You sent some mm. fantastic vibes down, and uh, we all know why we're here. So thank you very much. We love you. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Very well. Well put, simply put. I'd like you to all just to really, obviously, we're all here for John, but we would like to just beg a special thanks to Mr. Wixie here, who put a bunch of rock musicians and organised them into a coherent whole. Which is, <laughs> it's about 10 foot deep, actually, but never mind. <laughs> and, and... The man! There you go. Thank you very much. Thank you. Fall man taking the microphone. Actually, I don't see Glenn. Hmm. Maybe he went home. <laughs> beat the traffic. <laughs> He's like, I want to beat the traffic. I'll watch the rest of it on the telly. Bloody murder getting out of the Royal Albert Hall after a show. I got to get out now. <laughs> and maybe he's there, but he could be just... In the background, I don't know. <laughs> he's waving to the crowd, but he's holding the maracas, so you're like... <laughs> 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 That's great. Oh, I, I didn't even notice those two, like, pictures. I don't know if they were up the whole time, but those two pictures, like, lit up of John Lord. Was huh. Really? In fact, that's the... Oh, no, it's not. I thought it was the picture on his book back there. But. Oh, wow, yeah, what a, what a great show. Great, great memory, great moment, and... Deep Purple yeah. History. Very, yeah, that uh, was something else. That was uh, that was highly enjoyable. And this is the kind of stuff, like I said, I kick myself about. And I was having this conversation with somebody at work, and funny enough, I'm talking about going to see Weird Al, and she, and, yeah. and it was somebody at work I discovered was like a huge Weird Al fan. Somebody told me, oh, I think this person's like a really big Weird Al fan. So I, I was talking to them. I said, I heard a rumor that you're a really big Weird Al fan. She's like, yeah. And I was like, have you ever seen him live? And she said, no. And I just kind of explained to her that like in, you know, in the recent years, I really um, taken it as a, as, a, as a mission to probably way too late in life, see some of my favorite musicians that are, you know, they're, they're not getting any younger. Some of them pass away suddenly or unexpectedly and you, you miss that opportunity to, to say you never saw them and to say that I only saw Deep Purple in 2019 is just like well, man I could have seen them in the early 90s when I started getting really into them but you mm -hmm. always think there's more time and then you know next thing well, you know Ian Gillen will be 77 in a in another month and you know there's not going to always be time well I mean we, we've talked about it before too I mean you know you and I were never huge live music people right um for some weird reason yeah um i mean i wasn't able to go to a, a show until i was like uh my first show was when i was like 16. um but i mean even so like i don't know like yeah in the the early 90s at least i mean there was a a chance for me to see a lot more bands than i did even though 
I did, I feel like I did see a lot, like the ones that I really cared about. Like, I mean, I've seen Dio a bunch of times. I'm like lucky, I feel lucky for seeing that, but it's like, you know, could have seen these guys and like, who knows how many others, like, you know, when they were like, I wouldn't say like at their peak, but still closer to like, I mean, if you think of like when, you know, some, even some of the eighties albums came out or even like, um, like when the battle rages on, came out, right? It's like Mark II was still existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Could have seen them, but didn't. Um, yeah, and that's when we would have been really, like the early 90s is when we would have really been getting into it. We totally could have, you know, but you just don't, th- you know, we were young. We didn't think about, oh, this will be a great opportunity. You know, and of course, you, at that point, you don't know what's really going on in the band. You, we didn't know that Richie would be out in a matter of months or whatever, so... But, you know, I mean, I guess it just depends on, um, you know, your mindset, even like some of the people you surround yourself with. Like, I mean, I had some definitely had friends that like enjoyed live music. And that's why I went to as much as many shows as I did. But I don't know. You know what I mean? If I were really into it, I could have, I guess, been to more. But, you know, I was really more into the the albums and the yeah. collecting and the, you know, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm exactly the same way. And um, I'm still like live music isn't like my first thing that I want to do, but 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 it's a great experience, you know, like in the it's moment, fun, like yeah. I, I I enjoy it and I have fun. But, you know, it's it's more it's almost like I don't I don't want to say it's more it's almost like it's more fun afterwards to just be like, wow, I, you know, I, I was there at that show and I saw them and, you know, mm-hmm. being. 50 feet or 100 feet away from <laughs> Ian Gillen or whatever, or, you know, in our case with Roger, six inches. <laughs> yeah. Of course, that wasn't at the show. But, um, you know what I mean? Like, just, it's it's a great experience and a great memory to and to be able to just say that you did it, you know? And I know there's other people out there like, I, you know, I've seen Deep Purple 400 times and here's all my ticket stubs. I've never really been that. I'm more of like, like, and, and not even so much a collector, like, even on the collection front, I'm not like, well, I have 17 different versions of Machine Head from around the world, but I am a collector in the sense that I like to have all of the all of the CDs with the original music and the, the vinyls behind me and just um, to have them. But I'm, you know, not on the level of, like I said, having 100 versions of everything. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I, I used to collect a lot more stuff until I just realized, like, where are you going to put all this shit? <laughs> and, and more importantly, what are you doing with it? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. Right. I mean, I, you know what, though? It's not to, you know, be disparaging of people that like to obviously, you know, be collectors or go to live shows and like uh, you take, you know, oh, yeah. uh, like befriend, like, you know, it's easy to befriend, befriend like band members of like bands now and like get to see them, whether you pay or Have whether them you drive you home, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, it's just like everybody's experience is different. So it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm feel, you know, good now, but what I have, like, I mean, like, like recently, like one of the things that like I'm on now, which I never am, is, is like after the, the born again episode. And then the other one that I did on, on Scott's show, like now I'm like really about like, I want that vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, but that's like one thing. It's like, I don't need every version of it. I don't need like going back into collecting like all vinyl again. It's just like, I'd like to get the odd vinyl here or there, you know, but 
you know, and that's cool. You know, it's it's very. But there, I know some people that have like rooms and rooms, you know, in their basement dedicated to like collectibles. And I mean, it, it, I think it's people like that that you know, it's almost like they archive things. You know, they keep the history alive, which yeah. is cool. And I would say, I would say that I'm in that distinction, I'm more of an archivist than a collector. Right. Um, I like to have like it archive with all of the all the stuff but i don't really necessarily care if my you know pressing is the first pressing or any of that like i, I just, right. just this is nice like when norman sent us that uh nice care package of all the albums it's just nice having yeah. you fucking hear this no i heard i saw you take your, your headphones off earlier what do you yeah mean? because i heard like a really low rumbling it's the friggin' leaf blowers behind me like every single time like it's like do you hear this oh i just heard that yeah a little bit it's well, obnoxious maybe, well maybe the noise gate will cut it I out i feel like I feel like every time I'm home, like during the day, it's just like, you know what? Let's send the landscaping crew to annoy John for like half an hour. What, what are they leaf blowing? It's friggin it's July. There's no leaves. Maybe pollen blowing. I don't know. <laughs> they're just trying to kick up your allergies. Well, they're, let's get this, let's get this well, pollen doing, in the air. What's it doing on the ground here? They're doing something out there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, we'd like to do something, too. And that is to thank, of course. Our foundation level patrons. Yes. Coming in at the $3.33 halfway to evil tier. We've got Raf Koff on the chat. Well, he's on the chat earlier. I think he might have popped off. Uh, well, thank you, Raf. Um, at the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, we've got Peter Gardot, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Duncan Leesk, Stuart McCord, Flight of the Rat Bat Blue Light, Ivan Fjeldbu. Runar Siemensen. And at the $1 made-up name tier, we have the man who wore a t-shirt tux at his own funeral, Leaky Mausoleum, Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 1999 fanatic. We have Spike the Rock Cat, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, Spike's Mom, Blackmore Tights, and John Maselli. <laughs> We're going to Mexico. Adios, gringos. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much to all of our uh, amazing foundation. <laughs> oh, politically <patrons>. incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it could be worse than that. I was actually in, in going through some of these who's the boss clips, seeing actually how progressive uh, <laughs> Tony. There's one uh, there's one episode where like this guy is like so over the top, but this like Italian guy is like, hey. Paisan, you know, we got to, the women have to do what do we say and they have to be in the kitchen and barefoot and and pregnant and, and Tony Maselli's like, yeah, well, there's something you need to do. Get the hell out of my house. And he like kicks him out. He's like, oh, what's, what's the matter, Paisan? And he's like, yeah, we don't talk about women like that around here. And I was like, oh, good for you. And like the crowd's like going, yeah, like you show him, Tony. <laughs> it was like so over the top. Like, like, I love the fact that like, you know, in the 80s when people were like jerks on shows, they were just so over the, it's like somebody would come in your house and be like hey we like to uh we like to keep the women uh you know we like to repress the women you know like no one would do that but then how they dismiss them too he's just like you know they like put his arm behind his back and like yeah. give him a boot in the ass to like throw him out of the house and everybody's like Whoa! yeah like mona would open the door and he'd kick him out and she'd slam the door in his face and then they'd like high five you know it's like so <laughs> completely but they don't the show top. the reality like two or three days later they get you know they get a friggin you know a, a warrant served for like you know assault and battery or something <laughs> <laughs> exactly 
Oh, man, it was great. But, um, yes, uh, Stephen just said it was a pleasure listening to the concert uh, again. Eight years later, after he was actually there in person, uh, glad you could join us. Glad everyone could join us on the live stream. It was a lot of fun. Uh, digging. This is the first, you know, like I've said, I've seen, I think we talked about a couple episodes ago, I've seen bits and pieces from this all over the all over the place, but I think this is the first time I've watched the entire thing Me start too. to finish and seeing it in the proper context and everything, and it was really a, really a, a treat. Um, so, so thank you so much to uh, everybody for joining us. Um, yeah, we'll be back at it again. We'll probably have a live stream coming up, maybe Maybe one next week. We'll see. Um, we're, we're, we're banking a few episodes before uh, I go on my vacation after John just got back from his. We had a brief window and uh, uh, COVID is trying to use COVID to our favor since I'm going to be home for a few days. So, um, yeah, big. Uh, uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun hanging out with you guys. Ivan, I hope it was great to hear yeah. your uh, jingle in, in real time. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks, everyone, for coming in and. Uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week, John. Yes, thank you, thank you. All right, later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. And the, um, the, the, my second Google search is son of a bitch stew. <laughs> what the hell is that? Um, oh, it's a, um, it's a cowboy dish of the American West, apparently, <laughs> according to Wikipedia. <laughs> cowboy, son of a bitch stew. Why would you call something that? Just like, I don't know, a, like a, a, a real son of a bitch makes it. I don't know. <laughs>